Hello, my rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, The Ezra Levant Show. Uh, today we look at how Justin Trudeau is slowly turning more aggressive and hostile towards Jody Wilson-Raybould, the former attorney general who was fired for opposing Trudeau's desire to go lenient on a criminal company called SNC-Lavalin that was caught paying $48 million worth of bribes to the Gaddafi regime. What a story that is. Uh, I'll show you how the worm is turning, how Trudeau is marshalling his side and starting to demonize Wilson-Raybould. You'd be the judge of that. And you got to see the interview with Kean Bexty today. We uh, talk about a pretty big scandal in Alberta that he's uncovered, so that's all ahead. By the way, if you like listening to this podcast, and I hope you do, then you would love watching it, especially the video parts. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to our premium content. That's what we call these long format TV shows on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my daily show and Sheila Gunn-Reed's and David Menzies' weekly shows too. It's only eight bucks a month. If you buy the whole year in advance, you get two months off. That's a bargain. And for podcast listeners, you get another 10% off. I, you know, I'm just doing the math in my head. I think that works out to 72 bucks. That's like nine months. You get 12 months. Just... Uh, Use the coupon code podcast when you subscribe. So go to therebel.media slash shows, become a member. And by the way, if you want to leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe on iTunes, I appreciate that too. All right, folks, now enjoy the Rebel audio style. Tonight, Justin Trudeau all but calls Jody Wilson-Raybould a liar. How is this fight going to end? It's February 13th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon yeah. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. I know we've talked a lot about it, but I think we have to. That explosive Globe and Mail story about Jody Wilson-Raybould being fired as Justice Minister because she wouldn't drop the criminal charges against a well-connected Quebec engineering firm that was caught paying bribes. It's a great story, just as stories go. I mean, it's exotic. The corruption was in Libya, land of desert mystery. The personalities are absurd and larger than life. I mean, Muammar Gaddafi was as kooky as they got. The engineering firm SNC-Lavalin, for a Canadian company, sure knew how to play in the big leagues. They were caught paying $48 million in bribes. I mean, you could make a Hollywood thriller out of this. And imagine casting an Aboriginal woman, first in her family ever to go to law school. Imagine casting her as the only ethical one in the whole story, potentially bringing down not only the corrupt company, but also the little clique of elitist college frat boys orbiting around the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. It's too good of a story. I mean, Julia Roberts starred in that old movie, The Pelican Brief. It was an exciting story, but it's not as exciting as this. Exciting if it were a work of fiction, but it's real, so it's depressing because we are the ones living in a real country that is really being corrupted by connected liberal insiders and their ethically malleable buddies in Ottawa. So what's so interesting is that the media really, I think, I think they like Wilson-Raybould as a person, partly because she's a heartwarming success story, an Aboriginal woman who becomes a lawyer and then becomes justice minister. But I hear she's actually a nice person in person. She seems to have made friends, at least in political liberal, liberal circles. And Trudeau certainly promoted her personality. When she was in his good books, he said she was a symbol of him and what he believed. So 
it's not very easy for him to throw her under the bus now. She's too likable. He helped make her likable. And she's an Aboriginal woman, first Aboriginal justice minister in history. He's not, I mean, she's not some pampered rich white guy like Scott Bryson, the disgraced cabinet minister who was unpersoned a few weeks ago without much fuss. But mainly Jody Wilson-Ribbled isn't uh, cooperating anymore. As we told you yesterday, she's lawyered up with no one less than a former Supreme Court judge as a lawyer. Yeah, that's as tough as it gets. Well, yesterday, Justin Trudeau started fighting back for real. He started, well, let's be honest, he started calling her a liar. That's what he's saying here. Let me show you a few clips. Take a look. Last night, I accepted Jody Wilson-Raybould's resignation from Cabinet. Frankly, I am both surprised and disappointed by her decision to step down. And let me tell you why. <laughs> Look how stern he is. He can't believe he's saying these things, she, uh, she, that she's saying these things about him, or her allies are at least, to reporters. He's surprised and so disappointed. You know, Trudeau is often disappointed in other people, isn't he? No one's ever good enough for him. He's never the disappointing one. He never gets it wrong. What a disappointment Jody Wilson-Raybould is to him. I mean, first woman Aboriginal Justice Minister in history, compared to him inheriting everything, being a spoiled trust fund rich kid, until he finally decided it was time to grow up and rule over us at age 40. Yeah, that spoiled brat on the million-dollar Mercedes Roadster there, he's disappointed in Jody Wilson-Raybould. But get this. This resignation is not consistent with conversations I had with Jody a few weeks ago when I asked her to serve as Canada's Minister for Veterans Affairs and Associate Minister of National Defence, nor is it consistent with the conversations we've had lately. She's not consistent. That's code for she's lying. She never told me she was upset. She seemed fine with all this. I'm so disappointed in this little liar. Sorry, this inconsistent person. Here's more, and this was an announcement about buses, and he was going to throw her under a bus, as they say. Take a look. In regards to the matter of SNC-Lavalin, let me be direct. The Government of Canada did its job, and to the clear public standards expected of it. If anyone felt differently, they had an obligation to raise that with me. No one, including Jody, did that. Everyone else at that press conference was called by their title, Mayor Bowman, but not the first Aboriginal Attorney General in history. She's just Jody. She's just some silly girl who got in over her head, probably promoted too fast, couldn't keep up, couldn't keep her story straight. She was inconsistent, Jody. What a shame that Jody couldn't fit in with the boys. Jody, Jody's what you call a girl, not a woman, not the first justice minister who's Aboriginal, Jody. And by the way, just in case you didn't know, uh, Justin Trudeau has checked, and Justin Trudeau did, it, did his job. Uh, just in case you want to know, Justin Trudeau's always looked into things, and the government did its job. No one complained to him. So obviously everything's fine. I mean, that is the test, right, if he says everything's fine? Literally dozens, more than half a hundred meetings between SNC-Lavalin and everyone that could lobby on Parliament Hill. A dozen meetings in the Prime Minister's office itself. And hey guys, no one complained. 
I mean, sure, they're all Montreal liberals. They're all in on the take. They all know how it goes. <laughs> Jody. So absolutely, I mean, Justin Trudeau says it, so you know it's true. The government made decisions and had things to say about criminal cases, but no one complained. Yeah, no, you corrupt little man. Governments don't decide what crimes are prosecuted and what are not in Canada. That's for prosecutors to decide independently. We don't prosecute or don't prosecute people based on political lobbying. It's a nonpartisan branch of government. Here's more from this little corrupt man. He's Justin. She's Mrs. Wilson Railbowl. Take a look. This morning, I convened a cabinet meeting to inform my colleagues of Jody's departure. Minister Sajjan has immediately taken over Jody's responsibilities as Acting Minister of Veterans Affairs. We are as committed as ever to ensuring that Canada's veterans receive the care and support of a grateful nation. I know that Minister Sajjan will serve our women and men in uniform and our veterans with dedication. Silly little Jody. A grown-up will take over, and his name is Minister Sajan. Don't know if you caught that. I mean, sure. He's got a pretty bad case of what they call stolen valor. He took credit for battle plans that he had no role in or a minuscule role. But look, that just shows he gets it. How the system works, unlike little Jody. Little Jody. I mean, look, Sajan excuse me, Minister Sajjan, he knows who's boss. This guy's boss. First of all, uh, why are we still uh, fighting against certain uh, veterans groups in court? Uh, because uh, they're asking for more than we are able to give right now. Little Jody, don't you know? Here's some more from our great leader yesterday. So are you willing to waive that privilege? Would you like to get a full airing of this? before it goes any further. Uh, indeed, I, I've uh, heard those calls and take them very seriously, and that's why I've asked our uh, current Minister of Justice and Attorney General uh, to make recommendations to me on the question of uh, solicitor-client privilege. Uh, I will uh, highlight, however, that uh, there are, uh, there's a real danger uh, that's been flagged for me of unintended consequences, particularly because there are two court cases ongoing directly related to this matter that could be impacted by uh, such a decision we might make. Uh, I will highlight once again that I am uh, surprised and disappointed and to be honest, don't entirely understand why uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould made the decision she did. <laughs> he's not going to do it, in case you don't know. He's not going to waive solicitor clan privilege. He's not going to let her off the hook. He's not going to let her answer uh, his challenges because he doesn't want to let her speak. He wants to be able to speak for her. So little Jody, you know, we can't trust her to say the right things anymore. She's no longer in cabinet. Trudeau no longer has power over her. Now, Stephen Harper, by contrast, waived his legal privilege when there were legal matters afoot under his tenure. Not only did Harper waive privilege, but he sent his various chiefs of staff, as you can see here, to testify before parliamentary committee openly when they were asked to. You can see his chiefs here, Ian Brody, Nigel Wright, Guy Giorno. Do you think Trudeau would do that? Do you think he'd let Gerald Butts go and answer questions about his 12 meetings with SNC-Lavalin? <laughs> by this point in the Mike Duffy affair, by the way, Chief of Staff Nigel Wright had resigned 
from Stephen Harper's office. Just to remind you, Mike Duffy, the senator, was being scrutinized for about 90 grand worth of travel and housing expenses. The, the question was, did he really live in Prince Edward Island or did he live in Ottawa? How many days in each? Because that affected how much of his travel and housing in each city would be paid for by taxpayers. He had one position. It was questioned. Nigel Wright, the chief of staff, was frustrated with his quarrel. He thought it was a waste of time over nothing. Uh, 90 grand isn't nothing, but he was an independently wealthy man. So he literally reached into his own pocket as an independently wealthy man and cut a check from his own account to the government just to repay the expenses, just to end the qu ethical question mark. That was the scandal. That was the big scandal of Harper's nine and a half years as prime minister. A chief of staff paying money into the government to repay questionable expenses. The second biggest scandal, of course, was a $16 uh, bottle of orange juice. And here we're talking about 50 plus lobbying meetings to let criminals off the hook for $48 million worth of bribes in a third world country. Jody just doesn't understand. And, and Trudeau can't understand her. I mean, really, she's the one to blame. If anyone, particularly the Attorney General, felt that we were not doing our job fully responsibly and according to all the rules as a government, it was her responsibility to come forward to me this past fall and highlight that directly to me. She did not. Nobody did. And that's why I continue to be puzzled uh, and obviously disappointed by her decision to step down from cabinet. So if anything here is wrong, it's her fault. Because she didn't say he was doing things wrong, so he didn't. It's her fault. And he's just so disappointed in her. She really let him down. Well, the state broadcaster was convinced. Here's the CBC making the case that, really, I think Trudeau is the victim here, isn't he? We've disappointed him. We've all let him down in our own way, especially that uppity girl, Jody. Come on, know your place. And even though Bob Fife and Steve Chase and Sean Fine, the three Globe and Mail reporters who broke the story, while they're still interested in the story, hmm, you know, other members of the Globe and Mail think it's, you know, they're probably overdoing it a bit. Can, you guys just rein it in a bit. Here's an actual Globe headline from today. There's nothing sinister in wanting to spare SNC Lavalan. Hey guys, there's nothing wrong here at all. Other than Jody Wilson Raybould. Little Jody is the disappointment. SNC Lavalan, they're the hero of this story. I mean, can't the Globe and Mail itself go back to the good old days, like way back in December when they ran this as the cover story in the report on Business Magazine, this big PR job? That's the president of SNC-Lavalin looking there. He looks like an honest guy. Yeah, the tide is turning in this story. Official Liberal Ottawa is circling the wagons. Here, listen to some of these Liberal MPs in Parliament today. There was a committee meeting um, to look into this. And uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, they called it a witch hunt. They said it was fake. They hate Jody Wilson-Raybould because she wasn't willing to be bought off with little political trinkets like they were. So they shut her down. Take a look. I think it is clear, um, Mr. Chair, that there was concern among Canadians in terms of how we got to uh, where we are today. And 
I also think it's clear that the uh, Prime Minister has been very clear in uh, his interactions and I think the Justice responsibility, the Justice Committee, has a responsibility to reassure Canadians. Really, I, I hope that my colleagues across the way will support this motion, which is really uh, a non-partisan version of the motion that, uh, that the Conservatives have proposed. Uh, it is really the, the bare bones and substance of, of what, what everybody around the table and, and all of Canada really wants is that clarification as to the role between, uh, between, uh, between how, how, how government functions and, and how decisions are made. I think today's testimony or comments from particularly the Conservative opposition demonstrate that at best committees of the House of Commons are political theatre that can occasionally achieve good studies and that we don't have the tools, we don't have the budget, we don't have the mechanisms to go through the fishing expedition and the kind of witch hunt that the Conservatives would like to see. I, I don't think that, uh, that we're doing, um, that we should be changing the way in which we, we conduct ourselves just because the cameras are on. I think that we need to have that impartial discussion. And my fear is that if the cameras are on, my, my, par my colleagues across the way will not be able to shut off their partisanship. And that's why I, I don't support the, uh, the amendments as proposed by, by Mr. Cullen. But to vote against what I think most Canadians would see as a pretty reasonable amendment. If you're open to hearing from Ms. Wilson-Raybould, then vote for it. If you're, opening to, you're open to hearing from Mr. Butts, then vote for it as well as Mr. Bouchard. If you're not, then you'll vote against it. And those actions will speak louder than your words. Mr. Clerk, we'll proceed with a vote on the amendments. Uh, merci, Monsieur le Président. Donc, la question est sur l'amendement de Monsieur Cullen. Uh, Monsieur Boissonneau. Against. Mr. Essassi. Against. Mr. Fraser. No. Ms. Khalid. No. Mr. McKinnon. Uh, Mr. Barrett? Yes. Uh, Mr. Cooper? Yes. Uh, Ms. Raitt? Yes. Mr. Cullen? Yes. Yes, four, four, nays, contre, five. I don't know if you understood what was going on there, other than Nathan Cullen, uh, the bald gentleman from BC who's a New Democrat. Those were all liberals explaining why they cannot have a public inquiry. Even the toothless inquiry of a parliamentary committee. I showed you pictures of Ian Brody, Guy Giorno, Nigel Wright appearing before committee. Just ask, answer questions. I'm not even talking about a police investigation. I'm not even talking about subpoenas, let alone search warrants or wiretaps, as you normally use to fight crime and corruption. The Liberals voted unanimously today to block a public inquiry by the weakest of all inquirers. A parliamentary committee. So, so that's not going to happen today. Trudeau shut it down. Of course he shut it down. The same way he's gagging little Jody by keeping her under solicitor-client privilege. Justin Trudeau is done with this story, folks. Looks like the Globe and Mail is. The CBC is certainly done. I wonder if it is done. I think it's still a bit of a fight. I see a couple of genuine friends and allies are sticking with Miss Wilson-Raybould. Here's another cabinet minister retweeting an old photo of herself and Wilson-Raybould. That's Jane Philpott. I don't think that went over well in the PMO today, but they have enough fires to fight. My prediction is this is going to blow over. The CBC and the Globe and Mail itself are already falling into line. The Toronto Star has fallen into line. I predict this will be forgotten long before the next election. The only thing that might change things 
is if the RCMP decides to file charges. The cops filed charges against Mike Duffy. That was a criminal trial. That was not some parliamentary committee. It was a bogus charge. The trial was a joke. Duffy was acquitted. But the police achieved their real goal, getting rid of Stephen Harper. The RCMP today is now run by Trudeau's hand-picked commissioner, that woman there on the left. I wonder, is she loyal to the politician who just made her career? Or is she loyal to the law and to another woman who was chewed up and spat out by Trudeau for becoming a bit of a problem? Yeah, I'm not optimistic. Stay with us for more. Welcome back. Well, a bombshell report out of Alberta by our Calgary reporter, Kean Bextie. As you may recall, a few months back, Rachel Notley said she had investigated two of her own NDP MLAs for sexual misconduct that she found uh, after an internal investigation that there was room for these two MLAs to have education and direction or training but she refused to identify who those two people were. All we learned is that it, it involved things not at the workplace. Well, that was very curious, even more curious, that Rachel Notley would not tell voters who these MLAs were in advance of the election. Don't you think that's something that's in the public interest? Isn't well, that something that, I... that a voter ought to know about before a vote? Well, our Kean Bexty got a tip about who one of these MLAs was, and he started to do research, and he kept pulling at that string, and, well, a lot of things unraveled, and joining us now via Skype from Calgary is Kean Bexty. Kean, great to see you, and congratulations on a blockbuster. Um, the MLAs in question will not answer your direct question about it. They will not confirm, but tell us who you suspect these two MLAs are, and what the basis is for your report today. Well, I'll start with the basis of what the report is. And we ended up going through Darren Billis's divorce proceedings, which uh, normally isn't something that is in the public interest, but uh, through information that was available to reporters sanctioned by the Court of the Queen's Bench in Alberta, uh, which includes me, we were able to gain access to these documents. And it uncovered a whole swath of things that I think uh, Rachel Notley wanted to keep quiet and that might have uh, contributed to her wanting to keep everyone anonymous because keep in mind darren billis is one of her chief lieutenants uh he's the minister of economic diversification uh, and trade and this is extremely embarrassing for him in these court documents not only did we find he cheated on his wife uh we're not sure exactly who he cheated on his wife with uh after marriage but prior to getting married to his longtime girlfriend, uh, he ended up having a relationship with MLA to be Heather Sweet, who ended up becoming chair of government caucus in charge of a whole lot of human resource issues, which this sexual misconduct would have included. There's there's a lot of questions that this raised, but also uh, Darren Bills's own wife accuses him of being a drug addict and uh, an alcoholic. So there certainly is some concerning things here and definitely it's in the public interest. Normally I wouldn't wanna comment on someone's private divorce, but when things come up like drug addiction and an abuse of taxpayer resources, if you watch my former video uh, that he had, Minister Sandra Jansen's chief of staff come cover for him in divorce court one day, which is just bizarre. 
Um, so there's a lot of things that were brought up with me going through these divorce files. And I think uh, it goes to show exactly why Rachel Notley wanted to keep these NDP MLAs anonymous. Yeah, I reviewed some of the documents that you got from the court, and there were a lot of things in there that were strictly of a personal or private nature that you and I decided we were not going to uh, touch at all. They just are not relevant to voters. They're, they're personal matters. And everyone, including Rachel Notley, including Justin Trudeau, has some sphere of their life that's private. But I agree with you. If Darren Billis's wife swears an affidavit, that means she's saying on pain of perjury, this is true, files it at the court. And I think we have a, an excerpt from that affidavit here. Where, where she says that Darren Billis spent copious amounts of money on these addictions, saying that he has a lifestyle, engulfed in a lifestyle of drugs and alcohol. Is that merely a private matter? I don't think so. I, and again, we don't know if this is a true statement, if this is an exaggeration, if this is an angry person. You telephoned. Mrs. Billis, and you sent her an email, and she didn't deny the question. She didn't want to engage with you at all. But you put these questions to everyone involved here. Did anyone deny the, the, the facts that you put to them? No, actually, I just got back from a press conference. Coincidentally, Rachel Notley had Minister Billis in Calgary today. Uh, I went and joined that press conference and asked her a blunt question to either confirm or deny if Darren Billis has a drug problem and if Darren Billis is in fact one of the MLAs in question uh, that she kept anonymous back in November and all she did was uh, insult the news organization that I work for, say that my question was irresponsible and that she wasn't going to answer it and Minister Billis reiterated the same. Yeah, you know, uh, for those viewers who might be saying, oh, I don't like you talking about someone's drug abuse, well, the media's standard, I think, was set with Rob Ford, the late mayor of Toronto. And I think it's legitimate if a mayor is doing drugs. I think that's especially illegal drugs, especially consorting with, like, where do you buy drugs? You buy your drugs from a criminal, I suppose. I mean, I guess marijuana is legal now, but these allegations predate the legalization of the drug. Um, I think that's in the public domain. And, and Darren Billis or Rachel Notley could say, no, he's not a drug addict. Okay. But they have not denied it. You've put it to them in writing, both Billis and the Premier's office. Um, you, you also raised something, you just alluded to it there. This is a divorce case. This should be a private matter between Darren Billis and his, and his estranged wife. But Sandra Jansen's chief of staff, Heather Mack, was sent by the NDP government. That's Heather Mack there. Was sent by the NDP government to the divorce court for what reason we don't know why would government staff on government time go to some one's divorce i don't know i mean maybe to to help to to intimidate to report back to do damage control there's just a lot of weirdness here and the fact that the ndp's covering it up adds to the weirdness yeah i i, I like to think that the work we do is important and i certainly hope that the mainstream media and even the United Conservative Party picks this up because when you have a minister of the crown, especially someone as high up as Darren Billis, abusing drugs and alcohol, if, if that is in fact the case, uh, it really calls into question his ability to make decisions. I, For example, they just invested millions of dollars in artificial intelligence technology in, in Alberta. That was what this press 
press conference was about uh, they're using taxpayer resources to run their campaign, really. But if we have a minister of the crown who we don't know what kind of drugs he's taking, um, it, it's really concerning and is of crucial public interest to figure out what that is and how long that has been happening and uh, to what degree uh, he's, his involvement with drugs is. Yeah, and, and by the way, having problems in life um, is not necessarily a, a disqualifier for having a public life. Seamus O'Regan, the former Veterans Affairs Minister, uh, admitted to being an alcoholic, and he got help. And I presume he's got help, but he's back. I mean, John McCallum, who was recently sacked as uh, ambassador to China, he wasn't sacked for alcoholism. There, it's a, you can overcome a drug and alcohol addiction, you, you should probably take a break from public life while you're doing it. That certainly was the lesson we all heard when Rob Ford was there. These allegations weren't by some nobody on the street, and they weren't said casually, they were sworn affidavits filed on pain of perjury by his wife to the court. And I suppose we have to take everything with a grain of salt in a, in a family law setting that could be driven by emotion. But for for the media party to ignore this and for Darren Billis and Rachel Nolley to ignore it, I think, I think it, I don't think that's enough. You were, you mentioned this press conference that you were at today. Uh, I'd like to show a quick clip of you putting the question to Notley and Billis. Let's take a look at that now. Premier Rachel Notley, uh, documents filed by Minister Billis's wife, sworn affidavits, suggest that he has a problem with drug addiction, as well as suggest the details in that sworn affidavit suggest that he might be one of the MLAs who uh, the NDP caucus covered up in terms of sexual allegations. Can you confirm or deny this? Uh, what I can say is that uh, that question is essentially irresponsible rumor mongering and uh, with the greatest respect to you, you work for an organization that uh, probably ought to be registered as a third party under the elections uh, legislation and so I have nothing more to say to that. Minister Billis, will you answer the question? I have nothing further. Other questions? Um, it is a shocking allegation, but it was made under oath by his wife. So I don't know if it's a, if it's a rumor. I mean, I suppose his wife could be saying the rumor. Um, if it wasn't true, I suppose they could say it. I, I don't think their answer was sufficient. I don't think their answer was sufficient, and I don't think that their response to me in saying that my question is irresponsible uh, reflects on the question at all. I think that it is, is certain, it is a question that is what journalists should ask. They should ask the, the tough questions, the questions that the NDP might might make the NDP and Premier Rachel Notley uh, uncomfortable, but Albertans deserve answers to these questions and we're just not getting them. Yeah, I think that um, uh, it reminded me, and, uh, and I told you this earlier today, it reminded me of when you went to Omar Khadr's press conference. You used the word terrorist and I saw the face of his lawyer who was literally shocked. He had never had a journalist in Canada ever say the word terrorist about Omar Khadr because they're all too polite and they, they, they don't want Omar Khadr's feelings hurt. And, and it was just like a splash of cold water that someone actually asked him a tough question. And here you've got the media party that's used just to being stenographers for Rachel Notley. We saw that a few weeks ago with their um, unskeptical, incurious reportage of her bogus upgrader announcement. I think that your report, which is well-documented, and you can find it on our website, I recommend people, even not Albertans, to watch it. I think that not a single media party journalist will follow 
your story, even though it's meticulously researched, all the documents are put there on the screen. I don't think a single journalist is going to follow it because, number one, they don't want to follow the rebel. And number two, they don't want to be mean to Rachel Notley or Darren Billis. And the fact that there's a, a spurned wife who didn't have spousal support paid, who was treated poorly, who was cheated on by an alleged drug-using minister, well, that's less important than supporting the NDP. Could have said it better myself. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Listen, great work. Thanks for doing it. And keep asking the questions that the mainstream media won't. And the fact that they, were, that they had nothing to say to you other than they don't like you, I think that's proof you got them. Keep it up. Thank you. All right, there you have it. Kian Bextie, our Calgary reporter. Um, what do you think? I think that we know there are two MLAs who were investigated for sexual misconduct. And we know that Rachel Notley's keeping them a secret. We know that Mrs. Billis has alleged affairs with her husband, between her husband and another MLA. I think that's who it is. I don't think it's an irresponsible question at all. I think that Rachel Notley has made it an issue by covering it up when she herself investigated it. Stay with us. More Head on the Rebel. Hey, welcome back on the show yesterday about the SSC Lavalin scandal and Jody Wilson-Raybould resigning from cabinet. James writes, let's not let Trudeau off the hook. No matter how much the CBC and the Bothoff MSM run cover for him, you must believe the whole Laurentian elite are gearing up to try to desperately discredit her in any way they can. You know, look, I, I don't know. I've never met her. I've never talked to her. I, I don't even know anyone who knows her closely. But I think, I just think she's a pretty straight arrow. She seems that way. She seems like an ideologue and a real liberal and even a lefty on some matters. Um, obviously, she, she has a lot of strong views on Aboriginal issues. But I don't think she's, I just don't think she's corrupt. I don't think there's dirt on her. You know, as, I don't think she, I mean, the very fact that she actually quit cabinet on a point of principle, that, I think that shows you that she's a little bit different the most creatures in Ottawa. I think the demonization will be just to say, uh, well, what Trudeau did today is, well, you never blew the whistle on me before. I don't know what all this, you were fine in cabinet before. I don't know what all this is about. I, you, you were fine with what I was doing. Why are you acting so high and mighty now, little Jody? I think that's the line. Doug writes, throughout the scandal, I expected many of the low information Canadian electorate to rush to make a hero of Wilson-Raybould for taking what they perceive to be a principled stance on the SNC-Lavalin file in defiance of the Prime Minister. I never expected it from you. Um, well, I think it's insane that we have a system that was allowing a, <laughs> a company that paid 48 million bucks in bribes that's under criminal prosecution. I think it's insane that you can lobby your way out of a crime. I, I don't know why you think it's surprising that I would be for letting prosecutors prosecute criminal cases in court. And if they think that it's appropriate to cut a plea bargain, I'm not a fan of plea bargains, but if for the prosecution in their own mind says, well, our case is weak or there's a problem, uh, let's cut a deal, fine. But to have more than 50 private meetings with politicians to get criminal charges dropped, 
You thought I would be on the side of SNC-Lavalin? You thought I would be on side of the lobbyists? I don't know why you think I would be that way. I, I mean, maybe write me a follow-up letter. I just don't know. I mean, I, if you think I suddenly agree with everything that Jody Wilson-Raybould stands for I, ideologically and politically, I can assure you that I do not. Um, I, I, I just don't. I, I think she's wrong on marijuana law. I think she's wrong on euthanasia law. I think uh, I, I don't understand all of her points of view on Aboriginal title, but I probably disagree with them. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about she's the first person in three years to actually resign on principle from Trudeau's cabinet. I think that's pretty amazing. Glenn writes, I hate to say it, but I doubt that this will sway many liberal supporters. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. I mean, uh, and, and of course, you, you, I think you mean voters. Um, of course, the Trudeau's support base is the media. And we saw the media nonstop go after Harper for a $16 bottle of orange juice from Bev Oda until she was drummed out of cabinet. We saw the Mike Duffy nothing burger of a trial. The fact that this, I mean, this has been a live story for about a week. I don't expect it to have the year-long lifespan that Mike Duffy's stuff did. Uh, let's see if we're wrong. So yeah, I think not only is Trudeau's main base and the media going to grow tired of it very soon, and, and some of them are already turning against Wilson-Raybould, but I think your average low-info voter out there just thinks Trudeau's still dreamy. And yeah, it's too bad that he threw overboard the first Aboriginal woman justice minister in Canadian history, but you know, you've got to crack a few eggs to make an omelet. That's the show for today. I'm going to try mixed up tomorrow, unless, who knows, maybe there's a bombshell on this story again tomorrow. But I want to, I want to talk about other things. There's, there's a lot of other news out there, and I have one story in my mind. Um, what did you think of Key and Bexty's report? I encourage you to watch the whole thing. You know what? You, you, I was nervous when you look into a divorce, files, and personal stuff. It's irrelevant. But a credible sworn affidavit by a man's wife saying he's a drug addict. And that person is a senior cabinet minister. At the very least, he himself should go on the record and say, not true. He did not do that when Kean Bexty put the question to him. The fact that Rachel Notley had an investigation into sexual misconduct of two MLAs, and we put that to them today, Kean did, and they wouldn't affirm or deny it, says we've got a real story here, folks, so keep watching that one. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom. Thank you.